trending news right now. Let's look over the weekend in terms of what's happened in social media. So that's the last 72 hours. Joining us is Atlehang Mulefe, social commentator. How are you this morning, Atlehang? Um, morning, I'm and how are you, Sandra? I'm good, thank you. Always great catching up. Uh, let's take a look at what's happened then over the weekend or some of what's happened over the weekend. Hashtag Rasi, let's start there. The uh, Saru, director of rugby, being banned from all rugby. What can you tell us? Um, so he has been banned after uh, not necessarily following the regulations for the committee itself. And also just after so many incidents that have happened in the past where he wasn't held to account for it. Um, So now it's just basically the rugby board wanting him to account for those things and also banning him just as a way to set a precedent that it's important to follow those um, rugby uh, protocols that are in place that he didn't necessarily abide, uh, abide by. What is he banned from exactly? Um, they said now, so he's banned from attending any rugby activities. Um, so that means that he's not necessarily allowed to partake in any of them. Um, so now he's been appealing. So hopefully his appeal will also be successful. But um, yeah. And uh, how for how long is he banned? Um, so now it's just they've said two months, but also I think that it's also a conversation about making it longer because um, now in terms of like the two-month ban, it's just a soft one where maybe he's also allowed to appeal. But I think that based on what the news have been saying in terms of all the things that he has done, I think that it may actually be a longer one. So this 62-minute video that uh, World Rugby Disciplinary Hearings were uh, using against him, I mean, in terms of, I guess, getting to the point of him being banned, I- where he's highlighting mistakes made by the governing body's match officials. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Um, so I did see it. Um, um, he is highlighting that. But also, I think my chat is that I don't uh, necessarily, I think that even if he does, you know, call it out and stuff, I think that it's not done in a manner in which it does follow the standards of the rugby committee. Because I was reading the mm-hmm. misconduct thing that they have a charter and as to what constitutes as a misconduct. So I do understand where the board is coming from and why they would want to hold him to account for those things. So, okay, so it's um, more about how yeah. he, he presented his grievances yeah. than yeah. The, yeah. highlighting the actual mistake. Because I was going to say, yes. is it fair that uh, one cannot say there's a mistake if they see a mistake because that also not so long ago was a similar case with Safa claiming Mm. manipulation in that game between Ghana and and South Africa by the Senegalese referee. So, I mean, they are allowed to speak out if they see a mistake. Mm -hmm. It's just that Mm -hmm. the way he he positioned it and and placed it, that was not okay. Yes, because also his whole idea of how um, he, this is how he does his thing, um, it can also be perceived as bullying or anything like that. So hence, the misconduct itself does highlight some of the things that he does, that it's okay to say that this is wrong, but the approach or the tone in which you address it mm-hmm. then becomes a problem, and it does constitute then as a misconduct in oh. the board itself. Yeah. Okay. So he's also been asked to issue an apology. Has he agreed to do this? 
Mm, I think he hasn't yet. He hasn't issued it yet. So we're just waiting to see what happens because the only one that has just been happening is just the appeal about the whole ban. And um, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's fans then, because of, there was a match on Saturday, some Springbok fans who are behind Erasmus decided to wave masks uh, off his face, Rasi Erasmus face masks, during the singing of the national anthem. Some seeing this as them saying he shouldn't be suspended. But do you see it as that? Do you see it as sort of a, a, a mockery to this body of rugby? Or do you see it as more of support to Erasmus himself? Um, I think it's support to Erasmus. It's not that like they're mocking the body, um, that rugby body. I think that even though they do respect it, um, you know, when people have a strong fan base, it's hard sometimes even for us as fans to see beyond um, the person's mistakes. So mm-hmm. it means that even when the person has not followed um, those regulations in the conduct itself, um, we still don't want them to be banned because of the amount of, um, I think, when we're just fans, you know, so I think mm. even though they do understand that there's an entire body, now it's just a matter of protecting him and making sure that he's not banned for a very long time. Mm. And after all yeah. of that, we still lost in Twickenham. England thrashed us 27-26 yeah. yeah. after That's all of true. that. All right, let's take a short break. We'll talk uh, more on sports, uh, Mamelodi Sundowns. Uh, this is Trending Topics here on SFM Sound Awake. Trending news right now. We continue with Atleha Mulefe, social commentator, looking at what's happened in the last 72 hours as far as social media is concerned. Also with sports, Atleha Mamelodi Sundowns, the ladies' team, beat Ghana to become the CAF champions. I understand they've made history as well. Yes, um, this was really a huge celebration and the first time in history where uh, Mamelodi Sundowns has won both in the men and as well as the, uh, the women's division. So it really has been a victory. But I think the Sundowns ladies have also been quite active in sports, like in terms of winning and just you know showing that great initiative that they are actually representing not only, you know, the country, but I think they've done, they've went above and beyond in so many different instances. Awesome. They yeah. will now be uh, on the same list as Spanish side Barcelona because that was also a football club that won the men and women's yeah. Champion League titles on their respective continents. That's awesome. Where was this particular game, Mamelo de Sundowns and Ghana? It was in Egypt. Okay. Yeah. And the and score, the, the final score? It's 2 nil. And I guess this also shines a spotlight in terms of how female sport needs to have more support than it does That's currently true. because sponsorship does not equate to that of male sports. That is true. I think in terms of sponsorship and also in terms of um, you know financial incentives, they don't get as much endorsement and they also don't get paid as much as um, the, the, the men counterparts, even though they actually do work hard as well and they show up and they win tournaments. So I think that now that um, this has happened, I'm hoping that they might also be given, you know, a seat at the table just so that they can also get um, that sort of endorsement and they can also get recognized for the amount of work that they actually put in. Absolutely. I don't know what the figures yeah. are, but it seems to me they actually win more. <laughs> yeah. They win more true. games. But let's talk coalitions now coming to politics. Uh, 
Hashtag coalitions, Action SA, UDM, Freedom Front Plus and the ACDP, they are issuing a joint statement after calling out the DA for being in talks with the ANC in uh, GP Metropolitans. But what is exactly happening? Because the DA is not really saying they want to work with the ANC. They're just saying they want to put a mayoral candidate forward that's their own. Um, I think for them it's basically that as all the parties that want the ANC out of power, uh, it simply shows that um, the leader of the DA has now taken the initiative of actually saying so many things without necessarily consulting them. Um, so even when he was complaining, uh, people felt, he, they, other parties felt like it wasn't really something that was collective, but something where um, he did it by himself. So I think now what is making those other parties unhappy it's just the idea that, like, the, the DA leader can just decide one day to, you know, wake up and do stuff for himself without necessarily consulting anyone, even though everyone wants, collectively wants the ANC out of power. So do you think like that, it, yes? You know, mm. I'm listening. The, the, do you think the smaller parties have a standing then when they're accusing the DA of putting successful coalitions at risk? Is it that far? Um, I think... Uh, in a way, because also in terms of like the coalition itself is that even though DNAC would never, you know, form that coalition or even if they do maybe in future or never, I think it does affect the small parties in the sense that now they've had to compromise some of their principles to allow um, an opposition party like the DA, for example, to take charge, to be in power and to actually uh, represent them in some way because of the number of maybe like supporters that they have. But I think now the challenge becomes the fact that when the DA now is just, you know, taking all the power and not necessarily consulting anyone about the kinds of decisions that they make. So it does affect the coalition of the DA and these other small parties. The other issue that uh, the DA has is that putting together a minority coalition in Johannesburg would mean that they must fall under the demands of the EFF. So obviously they won't uh, go for that, which would make sense why they would rather be an opposition party. That is true, because I think a coalition is, is very dif- difficult and it's, I, I don't think that it's, it's achievable, for, especially for those parties and the DA is an opposition party. I think, if anything, they would be very successful as an opposition party without necessarily having to form a coalition and compromise their, some of their own principles. So I think that even if with the EFF itself, it's, it's something that's too far-fetched and something that's unlike that cannot like i don't think it's gonna happen mm. and i mean the da does have the experience of uh, 2016 so they i feel can have a stance on and, and a, a strong stance on this particular issue with regards to the eff uh, working with that and uh, Steinhazen, the leader saying they promised their voters that they would not repeat this blunder so why are we not looking at the voters? Why are we not looking at the people instead of having a tug of war in terms of mayoral candidacy and who believes who should work with who? Um, I think that because even if we do look at the people, um, at uh, it all also boils down to who holds that power, who's in that seat. So I think more than anything for them, it's, it's just so much about that person and whether is it someone that they can hold to account or not. So... For as long as it's not a person that they want in that particular position, then that's when then the tug of war starts.
So even if they can look at the supporters, um, I think that to them it's more about than the face of that particular position. It will be interesting to see then also because uh, the DA, Action SA, FF+, ACDP, UDM and COPE, they have concluded a coalition when it comes to Trani. But it doesn't mean uh, the same is happening in Johannesburg. So that's quite interesting. I mean, the two metros also being so close to each other. Um, I think that it is interesting. Geographically, also, yes. Yeah, mm. yeah. And also just allowing those small parties as well to have those their voice. I think, for me, that platform, regardless of how small it is, um, is actually just so interesting for just political progression in the long run. Their mayoral candidate they've put forward, they don't really uh, want Herman Mashaba. They've got their own. (laughs) Yes, I think that's why now it's just also a big problem. Uh, But I think by the look of things, there's actually a chance that Herman might actually take up that position We'll just have to see. Mm. But I think as the candidate, I think he also makes like a strong one. Against Mpo Palazzi. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk uh, crime stats, hashtag crime stats, or maybe we should go to the funding of political parties since we're on the political thing. Um, Let's talk about that, actually. Yeah, the funding of political parties. So uh, there's quite a few figures that have been uh, put forward, party donations, and this was a second round uh, of the diclo- disclosure for April to June 2021 to the Independent Electoral Commission. Let's start with the ANC. Um, I think what the ANC, I looked at the three um, you know, sources of income who was actually funding them. And I also realized how even the president himself can actually fund the party. I was a bit confused. And also how they mm. also they're funded by the Chancellor's House, which is a huge uh, control has created a huge controversy now within other different uh, parties as well. And even Petrus Mazip is also someone who does fund the party. So I think the disclosure of that as just a way of being transparent is also becomes a problem in terms of when people find out and now other parties are not getting the same take or other parties are not getting it much funding as possible as much funding as they need um but i think for me it was just the shock of you know being able to fund your own thing as a president in a country i think it happens a lot but like it's still like a shock when they have to disclose those things so now the ANC, the ba and the eff not wanting to necessarily disclose but also just complaining about that particular controversy that the ANC is getting more from the chancellor's house so, I mean, initially, this is because of the Political Party Funding Act, which stipulates that donations yeah. that are above 100,000 rand received by parties need to be uh, brought to the fore. Do you think then there are still loopholes, even though there is this provision? As you say, the, these are brothers-in-law. Maybe the law didn't look at that part of it, the family involvement. Yes, I think the law basically looks at um, you as a person, as an entity, even outside of your relation to the person in that position. But I think that would have to go back to the, obviously go back to the drawing line and try to question these laws and also even amend them if needs be, because I think it's actually not fair that, you know, the like the, one of the richest people in, in the country, on the continent, or whatever, is actually funding the party based on the relations that they have the person that holds power within that party itself. It's a bit unfair if we think about it.
Okay, let's take a short break and we'll continue on this topic. Also, just talking some reaction from NGOs on what this means. Uh, 19 minutes past four. This is SFM Sound Awake. SABC One Trending News right now. We continue our discussion with Atlehang Mulefe, a social commentator. So some views then that are positive. My Vote Counts, an organization which advocates for transparency as well as Corruption Watch, uh, they are saying this is a good thing. Uh, one of the things being stated is that transparency and accountability it will result in, and also that when a, a, a political party supports a certain stance or view, it will make sense then because that will also maybe be informed by the company that has funded them. So that gives us more information in, I guess, as the voters uh, making decisions on uh, certain political parties. Your your positive things on this, I guess you've touched on some, but would you be in mm. agreement with these two groups? Um, not really. I, I do think that even though accountability and transparency form part of the democratic system that we're striving for, um, I think that even if you know that a particular business or person is funding the party, I don't necessarily think it's going to influence your decision as a person. Um, because the only thing that we really care about is the party itself and the principles that it stands for. But who's funding it or the business doesn't largely um, have any influence and voter support. So disclosing, I'm sure it's important and it's something that we need to do in terms of transparency. But I also do think that even dis- uh, disclosing that, that can, in, in, in any case, it doesn't do much in terms of like us as supporters and stuff like that. Herman Mashaba's action essay was also among the biggest winners, even though a lot of people are focusing more on the ANC. I mean, he's got more in terms of funding. He got more donations than the DA. I guess it also makes sense because he's a businessman. I mean, founder of a cosmetics brand years ago. So can we then not uh, accept the fact that certain politicians might have an advantage because of their business backgrounds? Um, I think we can draw that conclusion because that's what usually happens, that a party can be successful because a leader um, is also, you know, their own businesses or they know particular people. So I think that it was bound to happen and um, most people saw it coming, even with the campaigning itself, but as, you know, the party that it was, it gained a lot of traction um, in just a short space of time based on, also those factors about like having alliances and things like that. So I do think that we can also put it on that, the fact that he's a businessman, so therefore that's why the party was able to get that much funding. Interesting also, I mean, one of his major donors or one of Action SA's major donors being Rebecca Oppenheimer, uh, the Oppenheimer surname came uh-huh. up also with the DA. The, her mother, Mary, donated to the DA as well. So is he still uh, reaping the benefits of having been connected to the DA as well? I think also it's just being smart and, um, you know, playing it both. So I think I, I, I do understand also where they're coming from, being business-minded, supporting the two parties. Whatever happens to one or the other, they can still be able to benefit even from the DA. Yeah. Hashtag crime stats now. Our minister, representing, or presenting rather, the second quarter data, um, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think we've heard in the news some gruesome stories here. Rape is up. Murder is up. Kidnapping is also up. Uh, what about attempted murder? Um, no, the ones that have highlighted the most is definitely murder, and it's also as well as um, you know kidnapping. 
Mm. I think that we have so many defects. I just so I wasn't happy about it at all when I saw it. Um, that it's ranging around five thousand, and now they were saying that a lot of people ex- do also die in taverns. I think just the breakdown itself it's so sad, and because now we are heading to the festive season with everyone being happy, the excitement, people are becoming irrational. So I think that's what worries me a lot. That mm. if their stocks are sitting there at this point, then what is going to happen in the next month? And in just three months, uh, the figure was almost 10,000 people being brutalized and sexually violated. Just three months. Uh, I mean, 10,000 is quite a number. But the latest crime stats uh, showing that there's been an increase in crimes against women and children. And the minister is saying this is bad news. I mean, to say this is bad news is such a way to describe it. For me, load shedding is bad news and water cuts are bad news. The killing and rape of children and women rising on top of that, that is just immorality. It's a crime against humanity. We should all be mad about this, really, really mad. I think what do you think are, of him calling should. it bad news? I'm just, this phrase bothers me. Same. I think they just also dish out catchy phrases without necessarily doing anything about it. Like nothing changes after that. A person would just say that this is bad news, and then so what? Like, what are you actively doing to make sure that you're able to protect, like, vulnerable actors in society, like women and children? So I think it's actually quite sad that there's so many things that are happening in the country, but in terms of, like, policing and in terms of, like, the system itself, it's not doing much to make sure that we're able to, you know, improve on this in, in different areas. And as you say, it wasn't just figures that were given, but also the uh, places that the crimes take place. You mentioned uh, even taverns coming up. But also what shocked me and is, is that uh, I think at number two, top two in the list, the, the, the top is public space. But also coming up is uh, the uh, attacks on women happening either in a bus, in a car, or a taxi. That is a bit scary for me because... We have to commute. We have to move around. That is true. And and I think that's also what is uh, making me uncomfortable, the fact that you're never safe in any, like anywhere that you are, no whether you're at home, mm. you're commuting to work, or you're commuting anywhere, like you're just never safe as a woman living in South Africa. And that from a sample of 6,144 rape cases, so the figure is... Uh, one uh, one thousand and was it one thousand and seventy seven, and then forty nine at educational institutions. Where are we supposed yeah. to go, and and oh, where no, are we supposed really to live sad. as women and children? Uh, that's true, because definitely in South Africa, it's, it's really not a place for for that for vulnerable actors everywhere. It's it happens everywhere at school. It happens in the house. It happens. It's literally everywhere. So that means that we don't really have a place to self-actualize here. And a small amount happening in prison and holding cells, that makes one think. It really makes one think, because that is where yeah. you would think all the criminals are, but it's a small amount happening there. But at public pla- uh, places, the top, at a taxi or a car or a bus yeah. is number two, educational institutions number three. So uh, what 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 do we do from from here on? I don't even know. I do. I think that we've been having conversations a lot about the future of policing in South Africa. And for as long as they're not willing to change the policing system in South Africa, I think we're not going to see any changes, to be honest. We're still going to go through 
um, the same thing over and over again. So I think we need to get to that point where we interrogate, we remove policies, we amend them, and we make sure that um, for people that are found guilty of such crimes, they are held to account for it. Because for as long as there's no system of accountability, it's going to open a platform for those people to continue to commit those crimes. On a provincial-to-provincial basis, comparison-wise, Northern Cape and the Western Cape were the only two provinces with a decrease in recorded cases. It doesn't mean there aren't cases, but they just recorded decrease. Um, I think that's true. And we can also charge it to how those provinces are led as well. And the fact that, like, in those provinces, probably, like, the policing system is different. There's something that they're using which is different. But also, even the population itself, like, for example, Northern Cape not having that lot of populations, but also maybe even the way in which those issues are addressed is probably different from how they're addressed in Gauteng, for example, which is a capital city, like in the capital city, Johannesburg. So I think that we can also look at that in terms of like the policing systems and how different they are and how, what are the things that they do differently. And, you know, and we can be able to get to that point to understanding why the the number is so low or the number is decreasing that side as opposed to this side. On the coalition's issue, do you think that political parties in hung councils can reach an agreement by tomorrow's deadline? Um, that's impossible. I think that's not possible um, based on those different parties, the principles that they have and the fact that now when they reach an agreement, some have to compromise some of their principles. I think it, it's not possible, but We'll just have to see what happens. Mm. Oh, well, yeah. let's leave it there. Well, let's end on a, a note from Anonymous who says, Asanda Memelodi Sundowns, Banyana Bastaili, have really done South Africa proud. Just because they're women, they shouldn't be undermined. Absolutely. Let's end it on a great, that great, yeah. great note. They are, if we could say, the, the people of the week. <laughs> We'd give it to them. <laughs> That's true. Thanks so much, Atlagang, for joining us. No problem. Have Thank a happy so much, Monday. Thanks. Bye. All right, Atlagang Mulefe, social commentator discussing trending topics here on SAFM Sound Awake. If you've just joined us, it's 4.30 now. Good morning. Happy Monday, fam. Some of your other views. Uh, Anonymous saying, thank you, Asanda, for the village pope so early in the morning. That is the music we played from Tsepo Tula, and it links to our quote. It just went so nicely there with that.